like I'm in a room with some graduates. <laughs> if you like me, I ain't like Tess. Guys, it is open book. You ever cheat on somebody's paper and they was cheating and then you y'all both got the room. You better be sitting next to somebody that's smart. <laughs> God is good. Somebody say this heat ain't no joke. Hell's worse. <laughs> you don't like this. You better live right. Cause ain't no AC in hell. Ha ah, Jesus. Ephesians chapter 6. My wife keeps trying to steal this fan. You ain't getting all the wind. In the name of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 6. We are at the conclusion of Ephesians. Anybody been blessed on this journey? We're going to start at verse 18 and read down to the 24th verse. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador and bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that you also may know my affairs and how I do. Tychius, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that you might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be unto the brethren, and love with faith from God, the Father, Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all, with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. I read from this morning, Psalms 37, I believe it was verse 4. He says, the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Somebody say divine desire. You may be seated. Divine desire. We've come to the end of our journey in Ephesians. And if we've applied the truths that we've learned so far, we should see our lives begin to change for the better for the betterment of the kingdom and for the betterment of ourselves. Somebody say amen. I encourage your pastor to say I ain't been doing this for nothing. Man, something's been happening. Lord, help me. It's not more important than coming to the end of a thing. Finishing strong, right? You, you want to finish strong at the end of your race. We talked about how when we get to the end of our life, we want to hear, well done, 
my good and faithful servant. A lot of people start well, but they finish not so well. You ever met them people? They got a lot of good ideas and they start a lot of things, but they don't really finish them. You want to finish strong. You don't ever, the Bible talks about how we are to count the cost. That we want to count the cost for whatever is in your heart to do. You want to look at the whole picture of it and you want to make sure you finish it. Because the enemy knows that he can play real well with incompletion. Because when you, when you won't start something and don't finish it, it, it produces feelings of failure, discouragement. And so the enemy can play on that. But I, I want to I help you because I'm finding out that a lot of people start stuff that God didn't tell them to start. It's the end of a thing where we learn what's most important, Right? Where you apply all that you've gleaned through the struggles and the hardships of whatever it is you go through in life on your journey. is where you take all them tools that you've learned and you apply it at the end of a thing. It's at the end of a thing where you've learned not to major in the minors. I'm teaching this morning. Wisdom has taken root and you begin to see a fruit of a thing. This is where the Apostle Paul has reached. He's, he's been in prison for the majority of his ministry. And he knows that the end of his earthly journey is nearer than he first believed. Let me help you. When you woke up this morning, you were a day closer to your death. Just think about what you would be concerned about if you were lying on your deathbed. Would it be the life you lived, the, the fails you, failures you had, the, the wishes you had of being a better parent or being a better child? Would, would it be that you wish you traveled more? That you had more money, that you played more, you, you served God better, you gave more, you, you, you witnessed more. What, what would it be that you would think about as you were about to take your last breath? That would tell you what is important. Whatever it is, it reveals that. It reveals your heart. And Paul is about to reveal what's most important and should be important to us. Because now he is at the end of the letter of Ephesus. And he believes with all, without, without reservation that this would be his last letter to this lovely church. You can read about how God felt about the church of Ephesus and Revelations. You understand when he deals with the seven churches. But, but Paul is about to say his last final words. And he says this. Praying with all perseverance. Right? Supplication in the spirit and watching for all saints watching praying always with all prayer supplication in the spirit and watching uh, uh, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints 
Now, we've already established last week that prayer is divine communication with heaven. It's where we connect with God and get our marching orders. It's a two-way communication. It's where we talk to God through Christ and he talks back through the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again because it might have went over your head. We, we, we communicate. It's two-way. We talk to God through Christ and God talks back through the Holy Spirit. Prayer, powerful prayer. It's prayer that is pregnant in heaven but delivers in earth. Powerful prayer is pregnated in heaven, but it gives birth in in earth. That's, That's when you know communication has been made because whenever God communicates with a thing, it's going to bring forth birth. Whenever God spoke from heaven to earth, earth had to produce. Let there be light. Let, 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 let. That was all a part of the intimacy that God was having with earth. Oh, my God. But our prayer, here's a key, should be filled with divine desires. Oh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is God most concerned with? That's a question. What is God most concerned with? Souls. That's that's it. He is most concerned with souls. He's not concerned with you living your best life, your happy life. He is concerned with souls. And if he has to bring us through all hell to draw them, how easy was it for God to get your soul? What, what valleys and trenches and strongholds and struggles did God have to reach through to pull you out so that your soul could be redeemed? And what is Satan most after? Souls. He don't care about your money because Satan will give you all of it. He, Satan is, I said something last week, and I want to make sure you clarify. I told you, Satan is not in this earth. Satan operates from heaven. And I know that made a lot of people's spiritual ears go up like, oh, what is But Satan, Satan has not been cast into the fiery pit yet. As a matter of fact, God told him he is the God of this world. He operates from a heavenly realm. It's not the heaven where God is at the throne, but there are levels of heaven. And where the spiritual and the demonic forces lay in that area where our spiritual warfare takes place, Satan rules in that area. But he is still not (laughs) above the arch. So he still has to answer to the God who sits on the throne. All right. So understand. So it is a battle between souls that is going on in heaven. God has already paid for us. We're already sealed. We already belong to him. But Satan wants to see how many unsaved souls he can snatch. And so his objective is to keep us from going after the unsaved souls. 
So if he can get us focused on getting houses, cars, automobiles, and land, and money, then we don't focus on getting souls. Distraction is our enemy. Focus is the key to your fountain of blessing. Woo, this is so good. Jesus' last words to his disciples was the Great Commission. He told them in Matthew 28, 16 through 20, the 11 disciples were, went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. He saw them worship, but some doubted. Then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you, and surely I am with you always until the end of this age. Our Savior's last words was to get as many people saved as possible. That's our commission. Somebody said, that's my job. So Paul is saying, listen, I want prayer to happen. This, he, he's given us a key. It, he told us the blessings. He told us everything. He, this is his last words. And Paul's last words is to pray. Pray. So somebody say, prayer must be important. But he was saying, pray for all the saints. And then he says this, and for me go to work and for me he says I don't want you to just pray for your brothers and sisters at Ephesus in this church I want you to pray for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel this is a whole teaching on evangelism God says look at God I'm about to help somebody the desire for every believer should be that God would fill them with the words of life and have boldness to proclaim these words. We've been called to be lights in a dark place. But but can we can we put ourselves in Paul's shoes? Can we insert ourselves into the text? Paul was in prison. Paul was certainly near death. He did not expect to be released from an Ephesus Roman jail. Help me. But his desire is that utterance may be given to him that he can open his mouth boldly. He's not in prison asking, pray for me that I get out of here. Pray for me that God would release me from this trial. I'm trying to help somebody. See, a lot of times we're praying that God get us out of a situation. God, bring me out of the prison, the bondage, the hell, the trial, the sickness, the pain that I'm in. But Paul doesn't pray that prayer. He said, don't pray that for me. Just pray that God will continue to fill me with his words while I'm in this prison. I'm preaching already. 
and that I will open my mouth boldly. But Paul, you've been bolder than anything I've ever seen. You walked up into a Roman government and proclaimed Christ. You were always put in jail for the very reason of proclaiming Christ. Now, us in our flesh, we would say, I don't want to go to jail again for the same thing. It wasn't Willie Avenue. It wasn't a comfortable prison. But he still said, I don't care as long as I'm locked up and I know that what I'm in is for the sake of Christ. I don't want my situation to rob me of my boldness to proclaim truth in spite of what I might have to go through. Now, this ain't going to go well for y'all because you're still looking at me. You ain't catched it yet. But we want comfortable Christianity. And if anything comes to attack us. You can talk about Jesus in church, but don't talk about Jesus on your job. You're going to lose your job. Don't talk about Jesus over there. Y'all not going to help me. You got to be quiet in certain places. But God said, I need you to be bold about what I've been depositing in your spirit. Has anybody been sharing with their friends what you've been learning on a Sunday? Has anybody been pouring into anybody? Paul was in prison. You're just on Facebook and you're still afraid to talk about Jesus. You're just your circle of friends who none of them want nothing to do with Christ. So you don't want to you don't want to tell them what you did on Sunday or you don't want to tell them you was in an accessory prayer on Saturday night while they was at the club praying that they wouldn't get killed. Even y'all not going We got to be bold. The enemy comes, he wants, he wants to inject fear. I can't tell him about Christ. The devil is a liar. Look what Paul says. I am an ambassador in bonds. And therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I ought to be speaking boldly. How many of you got children? Children that, your child grew up maybe a little timid. They didn't always want to vocalize their feelings. We, tr- we try to train up, purposely train up our children to speak. Like, you know, they have to know order, but they, are, they can tell us when they don't feel good about something. Well, why you don't feel? You understand? You, you can have a voice. Now, it may still come down to do what I said because I said it. But let me tell you, ask, I asked my kids, how did that make you feel? What, how do you feel about that? How are your emotions? Because a lot of times you'll go up in your room and you got all these thoughts running through your mind, but you can't verbalize them. And that creates a, a, a closed mouth. And then children get afraid to express themselves yeah, I'm not going to say nothing. And now a lot of Christians, that's why it's always been a fight about getting you to open up your freaking mouth. And why the devil wants you quiet all the time. That God is not intimidated by your questions. And sometimes God will give you an answer. And sometimes God will say, because I said... But you got to be able to open up your mouth boldly as you ought to speak. Now, he says, I am an ambassador in chains. That's an oxymoron. 
Because an ambassador, watch this, is a, is a diplomat. It's somebody that represents another country and another country. We are all ambassadors. We live on earth, but we don't represent earth. We stand as a liaison. <laughs> Preach, pastor, preach uh, between heaven and earth. And I can only uh, conduct business about what my government says I can do. Oh, yeah. But, but at the same time, I can't run Rambo because I am an ambassador, because I am chained to truth. So I can't compromise my message or my delivery because I don't represent Earth. I don't represent Biden. I don't represent. I represent a heavenly kingdom. It's not Democrat or Republican. It's kingdom. Kingdom agenda. That's why Jesus told, see, he said, listen, listen, my kingdom is not of this world. Because if it was, I would call angels and legions would come down and wipe all you. Do you know the authority you have? Oh, this is going to be so good. You don't need heaven and hell to do a prisoner swap. God is good enough to free you from the vices of it. Oh, my God. Paul purposed to preach nothing but Christ and him crucified. That's in 1 Corinthians 2, 2. He always was ready to give an answer regarding his faith. 1 Peter 3, 15. And he always shared his testimony. That's all through Acts. Whenever Paul was in front of somebody, he didn't go preach a five-point, three-point sermon in a poem. He didn't do none of that. He told everybody about his transformation that took place on the road to Damascus. My question, saints, is where were you going before you met Christ? Where, where, where was you on your way to before you met Christ? It wasn't going to meet Christ. You had your own plans. But he knocked us off our horse. Your horse could be whatever it had to be. It could have been your friends. It could have been your pride. It could have been your joy. He knocked you off of whatever he had to knock you off of to get your attention. and put. Oh, Jesus was so far from my thoughts. But he knew where I was heading. And he said, nah, I got to turn this. I got to turn it. And that's all Paul told him. Listen, he said, all I know, I was on my way to Damascus. I was going to kill Christians. And all of a sudden, I saw a light. And that light knocked me off my horse. And I was blind. And I couldn't see. And then uh, the scales were removed from my eyes. And I knew it was Christ who said, it is me who you persecuted. And I cannot preach God because I know the truth. I have seen the Lord for myself. Nobody can tell that testimony like you can tell it. Nobody can say I was on my way to the crack house. I was on my way to get high. I was on my way to rob. I was on my way to fornicate. I was on my way to steal. I was, and Jesus snapped. Y'all better go ahead and 
It's your testimony that the people need to hear that if he transformed you, they can transform them. And Paul was saying, I need to have boldness to tell them where I came from. Hallelujah. But with divine privilege comes divine authority and responsibility. You got to know that with the authority God has given you comes responsibility. You can't run around here renegading and rapid. You got to understand that you can only speak to who God says open your mouth to. Somebody say divine desire. And then he says this, I'm almost done, but that you may know my affairs and how I do, huh? Tychius, a beloved brother and faithful minister, going to make known to you all things whom I sent for the same purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Paul, I love you. I love you, Paul, because Paul understood his mission. He, he knew that time was running out, but he also knew the frailties of man. He knew that he didn't want people to put him in the place of God. And he knew that whatever was happening to him could discourage the church. Oh, y'all didn't see that. Y'all didn't see that, see? He was more concerned about their faith and their faithfulness than he was about his trial. When they should have been sending him commissary. When they should have been sending him. Now, I, come on. I, I know some, some, a couple of y'all brothers and ancestors know what it's like to be locked up. Maybe not. You don't want to know. But, but when you locked up, one of the happiest times in your locked up season is to get a letter. That's why. That's why. You, you, if if you ever get somebody ever get out of jail for a long stretch like ten, they got a whole trash bag full of letters. <laughs> hey, hey, read it because letters from the outside is encouragement for those that are in the inside. I'm gonna say that again. <laughs> letters from the outside and encouragement for letters on the inside. Unless the letter ain't what you wanna hear, because a lot of times you you get a letter that'll send you crazy, and then you end up in lockup in solitary because it be that don't write me no more letter. That I moved on letter. <laughs> I've learned my lesson, <laughs> y'all not going to say nothing. So you, you want to open it, but you're scared to open it. You open it nonetheless. Paul was in jail. You would think that the church would send him at least a fruit basket. But here is Paul sending them a fruit basket. Hey, <laughs> he said, see, it's, it's always the job and the response. You, you know the, uh, the true leader's heart when he's more, he's more concerned about the mission than the misfortune. He's, you, you gotta be more concerned about the mission instead of the misfortune. I'm going to say that again for the people that don't like people they sit next to. You got to be 
more concerned about the mission than the misfortune. If you could focus on the work and getting the work done, you can move past the personal. And you and you gotta you gotta know that okay. So Paul said, "Listen, I'm gonna send you someone so you'll know the things that I'm going through. I, I'm not gonna keep my struggle hidden from you. I'm not gonna deny the fact that there be good days and bad days, but that you may know that I'm still here. I'm still stable. Church, it's okay to let somebody know this just ain't a good day." I'm in my prison. I'm st- I'm f- I still know the mission and I'm committed to the mission, but I'm not having a good day. Could you not put me out of the church for not having a... Could, could you not condemn me? Because I'm not having a good day. Could you not judge my prison? Oh, it's real quiet in here. But could you pray for me? Could you encourage me? Could you still work with me? Can you help me bear the burden that I have to bear? Could Why because I miss one church service, you think I'm not a Christian no more? I ain't telling none, none of y'all can't afford to miss no church service. <laughs> I don't know. We ain't there yet. But anyway, I, I love the way Paul can be writing these letters to encourage us when he's struggling. And what's even more peculiar to me, Sister Michelle, is that we love this man so much even though he's a prisoner. Got to be careful preaching this because some sisters think, well, you know, I'm dating this brother that's in jail, but Paul was in jail. Well, unless that brother writing a new gospel. (laughs) (laughs) What? I I ain't saying because I God can do mighty things. Let him do it, <laughs> please. Now, if you already married to it, that's a different that's a different situation. That's a different type of prayer. But from my Bible reading, when the Shadrach, when the three Hebrew boys was in the fire, wasn't no visitors getting in the fire. It was just Jesus. You'll get that later when when you sleep. It'll go, oh. (laughs) So he says, let me close. He says, peace be unto you, brother, and love with faith from Father, Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with them that love our Lord with sincerity. He closes. Here, here is, in fact, the believer's trinity of spiritual exercise. Peace, love, 
and faith. Watch this. So I'm going to close and we out here in 10 minutes. Peace, that word peace means to be complete and sound. Peace. So he's saying at the end of all of this, I want you to pray for me that I could still be bold in my ministry and bringing souls to Christ, whether it be in this prison or if I get out. Don't stop the mission because I'm in chains. That is the most important thing because I already told you that you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in high places. I already told you what you have and I'm in prison and I know I still have this. It doesn't negate chapters one through five even though I'm ending in my prison. Oh my God. But I want you to have peace. I want you to understand that nothing that has happened to me has broken my soundness. I, I want you to know that I haven't lost my mind. I haven't lost my faith. I haven't lost my relationship. I haven't lost my status. I haven't lost my joy. I haven't lost my anointing. I haven't lost nothing that I'm going through. Has because I have peace. Peace is not that the storm has stopped. Peace is that I could be in the storm and the storm can't affect me. Somebody say peace. Can you know who you are in spite of what's going on in your life and still hold on to your peace? Sound mind. And then he says, you got to have this peace if you're going to have love. That's agape love. I want you to operate in agape. And you can only operate in agape with God's peace. Because if you're confused and unstable, you're not going to love like God wants you to love. That's that patient, kind, bears no wrong, thinks no evil. That type of love. You got to have that. It's going to hold everything together because Paul knew that if I die, I don't want this church to start fighting with one another. I don't want y'all to lose your everlasting mind, but I want love, agape, to run throughout the church. Y'all better help me. Tap your neighbor and say, do you really love me? Do you really love me? Enough to be patient. Enough to be kind. Enough to not believe evil reports. Enough to wait. Enough to pray. Uh, enough to strengthen me when I'm weak. Enough to pray for me. Enough to give me of your resources when you see I'm. Don't ask me what's wrong and you ain't going to help me. But if you don't ever tell me what's wrong, you can't get no help. Peace, love, and faith. Faith, substance of things hoped for. Evidence of things not seen. But you got to love God in sincerity. Now, he says grace. At the end, he says grace be with all. Grace is the cord that ties them all together. That's, that's the unmerited favor. That's the divine power to get something done. What God is doing in this ministry and with us is nothing short of grace. Nothing short of grace. 
The places we're walking in, the things that God is providing, the way that he's making is nothing short of a miracle. Look around at all these empty seats. Do you know there are churches that are closing with double what we got in this house? Nothing short of a miracle. Why? As I close, and I'm only going to have one, Kelly. It's all because we have divine desire. Paul, at the end of his journey, didn't pray for anything but the strength to do the mission. Woo! So in conclusion to the matter, with all the amazing benefits that Ephesians makes us aware of, with the great blessings that come with great responsibility, and that to make our world aware of the God that we serve, the blood that his son shed, the power that the Holy Spirit provides. God said he would give us the desires of our heart. Then if we're going to possess and walk in it, our desires have to be divine. Woo! What does that mean, Pastor? It means when you pray, you want divine direction. When you pray, you don't want your way. You want God's way. That's divine direction. Paul understood divine direction. He only went where God told him to go. He knew that on his journey, he knew when he was going to die, when he wasn't going to die. Because he knew God was not finished with him. When you are walking in divine direction, you know that the steps that have been ordered are of the Lord. That when God orders the steps and your walk is in divine direction, every door that you see closed, when you get to it, it opens. When you have divine direction and you're not asking God to go ahead and open up stuff just for you, but that so others can come in. He said, I'll open doors. I'll make the way plain for you. Y'all better help me. I thank God that this ministry has divine direction. That we ain't just doing stuff just to be doing it. We ain't just habit stancing in ministry, but we want God's word, God's direction, and he always provides for what he directs help me up in here he always provide for what he directs could it be that you don't have the provision for what you need because you were not directed by God himself divine direction leads to divine discipleship it means that when I am operating with divine desire I desire for God to disciple me and to discipline me I knew it was going to get quiet right there, but I'm going to just say my own amens because we want direction, but we want God to direct, but we don't want discipleship. And you can't go where God wants to bring you without discipleship. You can't get there by yourself. I just read the Great Commission. Go make disciples. That means you get under a teacher, you follow the teaching, you take the test, you tried and true. Somebody say discipleship. The reason why the church is getting 
worse and worse is because nobody wants to be discipled. They want to be apostles and bishops. They don't want discipleship. They don't want training. They don't want discipline. They don't want correction. They don't want rebuke. They don't want because I'm grown. I know everything. Well, if you know everything with your bad self, go ahead. What? And then when you got divine discipleship and discipline, you look for divine answers. You don't look for answers on Facebook. Answers on TikTok. You don't look for answers in Oprah. Where your help come from? That's what you say with your mouth. But that ain't really what you believe in your heart. Because God got the answer right here. But you don't want to read it. And when you read it, that must be the devil. Anybody ever rebuke God's word talking about the devil? I know you don't think you did, but you... <laughs> I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. The, the, the devil is a liar. What talking about? I only got twenty dollars. He talking about give twenty dollars. That got to be the devil. That, no, I heard ten. I heard. Can I get a five? Can I get a five? Can I revise it? Twenty, 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 thirty, thirty, thirty. I don't like her. God, no, I don't like her. Why is he telling me to go hug her? Why do I have... <laughs> I sat over here so I wouldn't have to be her partner. <laughs> Divine answer. Love your enemies. Do good to them, they'll hate you. And spitefully use you. Divine answers. And then with divine answers comes direct obedience. Oh, divine answer, you gotta see a lot of people that I'm learning. I'm I'm getting a little older. I'm getting a little wise. I understand. But when when God gives you an answer, he wants obedience after the answer. We don't want the answer because we don't want to obey. We get the answer and then we start bothering with God. Okay, I don't like him. What if I just be nice to his son? Still in the vicinity. Remember when we first started the ministry and people was beefing? Yeah, we up to this next level. Just, uh, I, ain't got, I still ain't seen my second clothes. I'm still in my first clothes, even though I went over a little bit. But um, people was beefing. And now we had little things, and I'd make people work with each other. I knew that. Anything, oh, it must be the Holy Spirit. No, I knew y'all was beefing. <laughs> it was obvious. It wasn't no divine, no no shining light, no great revelation, no uh, me fasting and prayer for five days. I knew y'all ain't like each other, so I put you together on purpose.
And a lot of them left the ministry because they did not like, they did not like the person that much that they just left. Then with divine answers and new obedience comes divine blessings. Oh, it's time to shout now. But you can't, you can't get the blessing without the obedience. If you really, really want to be blessed, obedience, God will bless your socks off. If you got your mind on his will and his plan and you walking in his way, he will open it. Oh, my God. He will bless. Listen. I'm, I'm not even operating. Let me be honest with you. Your pastor got issues. I am not even operating off of 10% of what God wants to do with me. That messed you up. Because you probably saying, well, if you're doing this with 10%, how could this matter? Because you seem pretty blessed to me sometimes. Anyway, I'm just helping myself right now. Because there are times God gives me answers and I don't want to hear it. I'm learning in my older age to be a little bit more quick with my obedience. But there are still some times. Can I be honest with you? Can y'all pray for me? Why y'all looking at me like y'all don't look at me like y'all looked at Paul just now? See, see, when a pastor tells you that it's hard. But then when we read from Paul, who's in prison, it's okay. That's the hypocrisy of the church. That's what it is, the hypocrisy of the church. We got to do better. You got to understand that I am but flesh just like you. That I read the same Bible you read. I pray to the same God you pray. But Jesus, in spite of it all, in spite of it all, because you have desire. <laughs> well, that's what it means when he says he looks at our heart. He, he sees your desire. It's not that we achieve. It's that we desire. Did you catch it? You got to have a want to when you want to do better. If you want to do better, it means you know you are not better. When you think you are that, you don't see no need to try to do better. I don't ever want to get to that place where I think I got it so going on that I don't need God to help me. And my divine desire is birthed from destruction. It's what Paul meant when he says, the good I want to do, I can't do. But the evil, I don't. Why? And when you have that type of desire, you can get divine companionship. God says, I can walk with somebody like that. David was a man after God's own heart. He had a desire to have God's heart, but he did not have God's heart. His heart was drawn to women. King David, the man after God's own heart, had a lust issue. And it didn't disqualify him from being king. 
So much so that when he was about to die and they thought he was on his he was on his deathbed, they did not ask David, please, David, quote a psalm. No, they said, go get the finest young chick, put her in the bed and the king didn't touch her. And they said, he's dead. Read your Bible. divine desire let's stand with all we have with all God has provided he just wants our heart at the end know what's important the most important thing is prayer prayer for the saints to walk in faith love and grace and have that hope God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask a thing. I want to challenge you to go back and read Ephesians in one sitting. It's only six chapters. Just read it straight through. I, I, because the teaching and the things that have been said over this, over this time, they can go from you. You may have t- taken notes, but go back and read and say, God, open up the eyes of my understanding to now glean and, and receive from this book what I need so that you can see it all become through the eyes of what God wants you to see and develop that divine desire in your heart because people, it, it, it's robbing you of your joy. It's robbing you of your peace. Is robbing you of your greater relationship with your father when you don't understand it's because when you don't have his desire and you're desiring other things God is not obligated to go ahead and deliver anything that he doesn't desire that's what you want ever get to the place where you just say God I don't even know what I want I was so broken down I didn't know what I wanted I didn't know what to ask for I just know I didn't want what I had I was tired of what I had God give me what you have that's it and then all hell broke loose because that's when the fight starts when you no longer want what you want, but you want what he wants. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to desire you above all else. Father, when our flesh rises up and wants to tell us what it needs and what it wants from something as big as sexual things outside of the marriage covenant to something as small as a donut in the middle of the night. Help us to do what's right in your eyes so that we can reap the benefits of the blessings that Paul wrote about to the Ephesian church. We thank you, God, for these things. Thank you for this service. Thank you for keeping us. We pray, Pastor Mom. We pray for all those on band, those who may be sick in their body. Keep us covered 
from these COVID, from these monkeypox, from all these things that are going throughout this land. Keep us safe and healthy so that we can draw men unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace.